But uh, no, it's an honor to be with you guys. My name is Micah, as Brooke said. This is my wife, Steph. And now, Steph, can you stand up? She helped lead worship today. Um, in fact, Steph, why don't you come, come next to me real quick? Uh, Steph loves when I do this, but you guys, we are matching today. Can you tell? We're matching. All right. I got dressed first. That's true. Okay, that's true. I saw what she was wearing. I was like, huh, I wonder if I could match her. So we're matchy-matchy today, but uh, we get the privilege and honor to literally travel the country and preach everywhere and anywhere that God opens up a door for us to go. Billy Graham prayed a prayer early on in his ministry. He said, God, I will go wherever you want me to go, and I will be whoever you want me to be. That is a very dangerous prayer to pray, uh, but we have stolen that, and we've adopted that. And so uh, this month, I believe we'll end up preaching over 35 times this month alone. Uh, we were in Texas last weekend uh, doing a weekend conference and then preached here in Minnesota last Sunday. And then we were in Iowa Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night. Then we were preaching back again in Minnesota on Thursday. And then we were in Wisconsin on Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And then we've had about six days to rest just a little bit. Uh, we have two little children, a two-and-a-half-year-old girl, which had I brought her, she would destroy this place. Uh, she's like her dad. She's full of energy and full of life. And then we have a five-month-old baby boy who's here somewhere. Uh, he's right back there, <laughs> proudly pointing. It looks like he's sleeping. Great. It must have a soothing voice, huh, son? But uh, uh, my son, uh, I often bring him places, and people will look at me and be like, oh, he looks so cute. How old is he? Like one and a half, one? I'm like, no, he's five months old. Okay, so he's a big baby, all right? He's in the 90th percentile, but we travel as a family, and it's an honor to be here as Pastor Jeff and Christy are really good friends of ours, as we got to be on staff a while back at Cedar Valley. Uh, how many of you, you've heard me preach before? I've preached here before, so some of you may know, cool. Uh, if you are a visitor, please come back, okay, because I may blow it and screw it up, all right? Come back, all right? You guys got to meet Pastor Jeff and Christy. In fact, um, it's good for your pastors to get away and get rest. It's good for them to breathe. It's also really good for us as a body of believers and people who come here to be praying for them, to lift them up. That's scriptural and it's biblical because we're in this together. We, we, we embark on this journey together. And so uh, today's message is titled, Stay the Course. Look at your neighbor and say, Stay the Course. <laughs> Some of you are like, I've been waiting to say that to them. Stay the course. It's so easy to get off track or to find ourselves off course and needing to get back or maybe have course corrections. And for some of us, we really hone in on that in the new year time, thinking, how can I get back on course? Or how can I course correct? Because I really didn't like what this last year was like. Or I didn't like how that ended up. So how can I course correct? And so some of us naturally maybe think about that in the new year time. But uh, I thought to start off today's sermon, I'd share a fail moment of my something that happened in my marriage. Okay, So uh, don't judge me. Some of you already in the first couple minutes already have. That's okay. But don't judge me, okay, because this is a fill moment. So at our house, my wife, she likes to chart out the meals on the fridge. And so we know what we're having for dinner that night. And so before my wife goes out to grocery shop, she'll look at me and say, hey, head of the grocery store, is there anything that you want me to make, anything specific? And uh, one of the things I said specifically was, Honey, please, it's, 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 it's winter time now, please make me some chicken wild rice soup. Anybody love chicken wild rice soup out there? Okay, so I asked her to make some chicken wild rice soup, 
And uh, it's dinner time. I see it. It's Thursday night. It's on the calendar. I'm looking forward to it. And I come into the kitchen as she's making the soup. And I'm used to kind of like the Panera chicken wild rice soup and, and also kind of the grandma style, the one my grandma makes. And when I look in the pot of this giant pot, I see these bright green things mixed in there. And I'm thinking celery. I know celery goes in there. But there's a bunch of green pepper that she put in there. And if you know anything about me, I don't do onions. I don't do green peppers, red peppers, yellow peppers. Like, the thought of peppers makes me want to go a little bit, okay? And so I see it, and in, immediately I'm like, I've been waiting all, like, week for this meal. I specifically requested this meal. <laughs> There's green peppers in there. What am I going to do? And I get this thought in my head. Buddy, just go get some chipotle, because chipotle, you know, will be good. <laughs> and so... As I walk outside to get in the car, I don't tell my wife where I'm going. I see wives in the audience shaking their head right now doing this. Ladies are always like, don't go, buddy, don't go. I see some guys going, go, go. I get in my car. As I get in my car, I hear this thought. Buddy, don't you dare leave your house. Stay the course. Get your butt back inside and be a man and eat the chicken wild rice soup. But I ignore that thought that's telling me to stay the course And I get my butt down to Chipotle down the road. I order a burrito with some chips. And as I'm driving home, I get a phone call from my wife. And she goes, Micah, where are you? And I said, I went to Chipotle. And she goes, you got to be kidding me. And I said, no, I went to Chipotle. And then she hangs up, doesn't really say bye. And she says, don't come home. Texting me, don't go home. (laughs) Now I know I'm in the burner. Something bad's going to go down. So not only that, her mom is over, my mother-in-law is over, my really good buddy's over, and I come walking in, everyone's sitting around the dinner table with my Chipotle, I sit it down on the table, and I'm thinking to myself, I should have stayed the course and just ate the meal. My buddy looks over at me when my wife leaves the table, he goes, what are you doing? He goes, I said, there's green peppers in there. He said, it doesn't matter what's in there, your wife made it, eat it. <laughs> and so... Uh, Let's just say that was a rough moment of me not staying the course. But if we're honest, we all have moments like that in our life where we do something and we're like, I wish I wouldn't have done it. Or we end up doing something and we're like, I just should have stayed the course. And how many of you know it's a whole lot easier staying the course versus doing something you knew you shouldn't do and now trying to have to course correct. In fact, it reminds me of a story of a young girl Grew up in Minneapolis. She had seven brothers and sisters. She was one of eight. She was musically gifted, very competent, amazing singer. Uh, participated in all the school plays and school dramas. Um, uh, grew up in kind of an inner city neighborhood, uh, going to school. She actually went to school with Prince, believe it or not. And uh, so went to that school and uh, ended up graduating from high school. Loved God. Her father was a pastor in the, in a, inside of a Lutheran church, and so she grew up in this Christian home, grew up with values of wanting to serve God, and as she got older, she met someone within the Jesus People movement, which I don't know if you remember those times, but she ended up meeting someone and fell in love with him. He fell in love with her. They ended up getting married, and uh, they were a part of church plants together. They'd go and start churches. They'd go and help churches. Um, they were on mission together. And then um, things started to happen within their marriage. Things started to happen within their family uh, 
they got pregnant and they were very excited. Some of you know that feeling of being pregnant for the first time or knowing that you're going to have a child in the home and the emotions of being a part of that and feeling excited uh, until there were some complications uh, to where this young girl who was recently married ended up losing the baby. And in moments like that, when you lose a child or you go through a miscarriage and you witness that, if that's happened to you, you know the pain and you know the grief and the mixture of emotions, the postpartum of things like that. And sometimes you can walk through this life thinking, does anybody really understand? Because they tell me it's going to get better, but I, it hasn't gotten better or it's taken time. And this young mom had an opportunity to either decide to say, I'm going to stay the course or I'm going to choose to kind of go a different way. Well, she decided to stay the course. It was hard. It was difficult. It was painful. There was a lot of emotions attached to it. And this young mom began to have a child. She had another child and was happy about that. And then ended up having three more children, so a total of four. And as the children began to grow, things were amazing in the home. Things were going really well. The husband had got promoted at his job, was a general manager within his company, Things were going really well, and she was like, man, I'm so happy I stayed the course. I'm so happy I didn't deviate when I was going through one of the hardest times of my life. But then within the marriage, uh, things started to take place where um, the husband in the marriage uh, started doing things that were a little abnormal to who she married and who she knew him to be. And he started um, going out to the bars and hanging out with some friends and got caught up in a different group of people. And then the church plant that this couple was serving at ended up falling apart and the church wasn't meeting anymore and rather than the husband saying honey we're going to bring our family to a church he decided you know what let's just kind of take a break from church and didn't really go anymore on Sundays and then music started to change in the house some things started to change and it was like this slow fade that was ongoing and then this mom if she was here would describe to you the pain she began to feel when she watched her husband start to depart from the faith or start believing a different lie or started believing different things and so much so to the point now her husband was coming in stumbling home drunk late at night multiple, multiple nights from being at the bar and then a reality hit where the husband now started to flirt with other women and notice other women even so much so to the point where he cheated on his wife and this woman has lost a baby, and after 17 years of marriage, husband looks her in the eye and says, I'm going to divorce you. I'm going to live the life I want. I'm going to live how I want to live and do what I want to do. This is who I really am. I'm never going to step foot inside a church again. And this woman, being a stay-at-home mom for 17 years, having watched the love of her life walk out on her life for another woman, leave the church, and now here she is trying to raise four young kids, going to school full-time, and working multiple jobs. How many of you know in moments like that, you have multiple opportunities at any given time to either stay the course or to say, forget this, I'm done. Like, I'm sick and tired of having to walk through this. I'm already tired as it is. I'm trying to raise four children. The main financial supporter of our home just walked out with a different woman. So many different opportunities and choices to not stay the course, but to give in and just kind of do whatever she wants. This mom, this woman, called up a friend. She was on her last wit's ends and said, I don't know what to do. This is what my family's going through. I need a good church to bring my kids. We haven't been to church in months because my husband's 
off doing whatever. Where's a good church to bring my kids? That one phone call to a friend modeled to four children who didn't know it at the time on what it meant to stay the course. Because what she knew she needed was she needed the family of God. She needed her kids in a setting where she could hear and the kids could hear about the faithfulness and promises of God. She knew that she needed to anchor herself somewhere in something that would not move and be unshakable. In her wits end, in her ability to want to give up, in her ability to want to throw the towel, or maybe not even stay the course because it seemed a whole lot easier, she decided that we were going to stay the course as a family. And who I'm talking about is my mom. My mom didn't see a reward or a harvest in the moment. My mom didn't know outcomes of her children or outcomes of where people would go. My mom didn't know the future or couldn't predict the future. But she decided to stay the course, and years later from the things that she's endured, she's been able to watch the faithfulness of God play within her family. We, as human beings, walked into this room in so many different circumstances and so many different places. For some of us, we just lost a loved one, someone we really care about. For some of us, maybe you can relate to a scenario similar to the family in my upbringing. For some of us, things still in our past still replay in our mind and still haunt us. And it's like just getting to church maybe felt a little bit like hell today. Walking in knowing you were just in an argument the night before, debating on whether to come or not. And isn't that funny how every time you plan on going to church, it's always hard to get there? Isn't that funny how that is? But you and I have opportunities to, re to stay the course or to get off course and to watch our lives end up in a place where we never thought possible and today, I wanted to encourage someone today to stay the course, keep the faith, and watch what God does when you don't give up and cling to him. There's three things that scripture gives that I want to pass on to you on how you and I can walk out from this place and stay the course. Galatians chapter 6. I brought a slide of some scripture if you didn't bring your Bibles. Galatians uh, was written by the Apostle Paul. Galatia was a province in, in, uh, a province in Asia Minor. Uh, it's a Roman province. And Paul ministered to these people, uh, explained to them that Christ was the way, that Christ made a way for them to receive him. And he's writing this letter because there's some rumors going around that Paul's ministry is not legitimate, that it's kind of a fraud, he's preaching heresy. So Paul preaches to these people to remind them that your salvation is not based on works. It's not keeping the law. It's not you Gentiles having to be circumcised on the eighth day and those kinds of things. It's what Jesus did. It's what Christ did. It's enough. So he's writing these people to show and prove the legitimacy of his ministry. And he's writing to them to not give up, to not waver, not be wavered, but to hold on to the truth. Three ways on how you stay the course. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 7, it's coming towards the end of his letter. In verse 7, it says, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please from the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Verse 10, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. 
If you're taking notes or follow along, the first step to staying the course is point number one, is ask God to keep you from deception. Ask the Holy Spirit, ask God, would you keep me from deception? Verse 7 says, do not be deceived. But where do we see deception first enter into the world? But when God made the heavens and the earth and he made you and I and he breathed his life into us, he said, there's one thing I don't want you to eat from. That tree over there, don't eat from it. What do they do? They meet the enemy. And what does the enemy come? He comes to deceive. They buy into a lie. In turn, they fall into deception. That very moment, buying into the enemy's lie and the enemy's tactic, humanity for the first time experiences what it means to be ashamed of their sin and knows what it means to be deceived. The reason why the enemy will always bring up deception or always bring up lies is because the enemy has no equity. The enemy has no budget. The enemy, all he has is lies and deception. That's all he works with. There's a reason why scripture calls him and labels him a deceiver or the father of lies. Because his number one tactic is to be deception and use deception. You know, life and life in and of itself already has enough troubles, doesn't it? But how much more does it add on when we buy into a lie? And how much more does it drive us down to a pit and trying to keep us in a pit if we just choose to buy into the lie or be deceived? Here's what deception means. Deception means to believe something that is not true. And this is crazy. This is taken from the dictionary. Deception means to believe something that is not true. And listen to this next part. Typically in order to gain some personal advantage. Deception has its root in self. And the whole goal of deception is to get some sort of personal advantage. The enemy knew he'd never be greater than God. The enemy knew he'd never be greater than Jesus. He tried to deceive Jesus in the wilderness for 40 days. He tempted Jesus, and Jesus didn't bow his knee. Jesus never sinned. He knew he would never be greater than God, but he knew maybe, just maybe, he might be able to deceive man who God made. And from the beginning of time, the enemy's taken what God has said is pure and beautiful and what God has said is good, and from that very moment, everything God has spoken, everything God has said, he has tried to twist what God has said and what God has made. Why? To get us to buy into a lie. Deception. And so, the Bible says, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. And by the way, if you're thinking to yourself, well, to stay the course, ask God to not be deceived. Is that scriptural? Well, Jesus, in John chapter 17, he prays, God, protect them from the evil one. Jesus prayed that very prayer for his disciples, and he was echoing it to you and I. Jesus, protect him from the evil one. Because he's crafty, he'll bring about deception, and if we're not careful, we'll start believing a lie. So many of us, potentially in the room, may not know that our contrary very well could be rooted in a lie. And we can spend our entire lives not knowing that we are actually believing and walking in deception. It's why we desperately need the Holy Spirit. Scripture says the Holy Spirit was given to us as a seal, as a promise. When we believe in Christ, the reason why Christ gives us the Holy Spirit is so we don't have to walk in deception, but so that we can walk in freedom. The Holy Spirit will always lead you into all truth. The Holy Spirit is a teacher. He's a guide. He's a comforter. He's a counselor. So our thoughts, anything that is, anything that is self-harming, self deprecating, any thought that is rooted in um, constantly bringing up past, those kinds of things, that is not rooted in Christ. 
That is not the thinking of Christ. But Christ says, take captive every single thought that is contrary to Christ. Take captive of that thought. Not only that, Philippians 4 says, think on what is true. Think on what's right. Think on what's pure. Think on what's lovely. Think on what's admirable. And think on what's honorable. So much of our life will go in the pattern of our thoughts and dictated in our thoughts. And if we are not careful... And if we do not ask God to reveal what's in our mind and when it's in our heart, we may very well be believing something that is contrary to what God has said and what's in his word. The reason why your pastors are attempting to lead our church right now into reading through the New Testament this year is because when we get the word of God inside of us, it renews what we think. It renews what comes out of our life. Do not be deceived. Oh, just a practice anybody can do. I, I'm just going to illustrate it by saying this. A pastor, I heard him say this one time, and I, I stole it. He said every night when he hits his pillow on his bed before he goes to sleep, he says, Holy Spirit, will you show me where I have sinned today? Will you show me where I bought into a lie today? Or I did something contrary to who you are and what you have. And he says right there, the Holy Spirit will show him things throughout his day. Remember that small lie you said to your coworker to make yourself look better? Remember when that woman walked by and you took another glance and you started thinking about her and dwelling on her? Well, let's take care of it right here and right now versus one day having to get up in front of my church and apologize for not dealing with the sin and the deception that was in my heart. If we can take care of it every single day and ask the Holy Spirit to reveal what's in our heart, it's scriptural. The Bible says, search my heart, know me, examine my heart then we stay away from the lies of the enemy and the deception. Man, I feel like, you know, you go through circumstances and things throughout our life, and it's already enough weight on our shoulders. But then to add on the weight of sin and get us to buy into that, it's like it crushes us. It wants to keep us to a point of being immobilized. When Christ said, I came, they bring life and life abundantly. So number one, Ask God to keep you from deception. How do you stay the course? Number two, plant the right things into your life. Plant the right things into your life. It says in verse 7, a man reaps what he sows. We could take a time out right there. That is a universal law. <laughs> it doesn't matter if you follow Jesus or don't follow Jesus or you believe in whatever other religion. That is a universal truth. What you plant is what you will reap. If you plant a bean seed, you will get beans. It's very simple logic. Farmers understand this concept of sowing and reaping. This is a universal law. And it goes on to say, whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Well, what is the flesh, you ask? Paul says in Galatians 5, verse 19, a chapter before, he says this, the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. Paul is describing the flesh. And by the way, if you've blown it in here before, I want to say welcome to the club. Because we've all blown it. And we've all know what it means to live by the flesh. You want to know why? Because it's a whole lot easier to sin and get way off course than it is to stay the course. Because you and I were born with sin natures. We were born to know how to sin. I, if you ever want to figure out what sin looks like, just look at a toddler when a parent says, come by me, and they're like, no. 
You understand we're born sinners. We understand that. It's in our nature. But scripture says when you keep sowing the flesh and you keep sowing your desires and what you want, it's going to lead to destruction. It's going to bring ruin upon yourself. Whether you follow Christ or not, that is a biblical truth. And you can't run away from that truth and that principle. I cannot tell you how many times as a youth pastor, I had parents sit me down in my office Moms who would come into my office filled with tears and say, Micah, as a youth pastor of this church, I know you know what it means to grow up in a broken home. I'm going to need you to be there for my kids. Well, why? What's going on? Well, I just got word. I found out my husband's leaving me. Well, how did that happen? What happened? You know, you and I, we don't wake up saying, I want to destroy my life today. I feel like throwing everything in the wayside and destroying everything and everything around me. We don't wake up thinking those thoughts or saying those things. Maybe you're married to someone and you've been married, maybe newly married. You don't think to yourself, well, I really want to divorce my wife today. I hope I bring about great destruction. You want to know where it starts? It starts in the small daily things that nobody sees. That leads to the huge pain and destruction that ends up being the fruit of it. How it starts is getting a message from your high school sweetheart. You haven't talked to her in years. And you decide rather than letting your wife see this message or rather than deleting the message and ignoring it. Oh, maybe I haven't talked to her in years. I know I, we dated in high school and I know there were some things we did. Okay, I'll hit accept. Hey, how's it going? I, I heard you're back in the area. Hey, would you want to get up, meet up for coffee? And then you think about it. Well, I guess I'm on a business trip that day, and I might have some time for coffee. We won't mean anything by it. We'll just go ahead and see how life's going. Sure, yeah, I'll do coffee. Let's meet here. And then one small decision, just from opening up a message, is going to reap a destruction if it doesn't stop. When we sow into the flesh, we reap flesh. But when we sow into the spirit, we will reap things of the spirit. A whole lot harder to stay the course and a whole lot easier to reap the flesh. If your life is where it is today, I'm going to say this with all grace. I just want to ask one question. What are you allowing into your life every single day that is allowing you to reap the things in your life where you are right now? What are the things that you allow in your life every single day? And it may be pleasurable for a moment, but if it plays out continuing on and on, it may bring destruction. A wise person once said, before you make a decision, press play on the movie. And if you press play on the movie, where will that decision bring you 10 years from now? Play it out before you even make the decision. What you reap will sow. The other part is true of someone who reaps things of the Spirit. And things of the Spirit, but what are those? But it's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. When you sow seeds of faith. How do you sow seeds of faith? How do you sow seeds in the spirit? Here's number one. Get to church. Make church a priority and a value in your home. I say this with all encouragement and value to every single parent and grandparent in here. You are the parent. Your child is not. Which means you're the one that leads the home to say we're going to church. We're going to make church a value and make church a priority. You don't get a choice. We're going to go. You want to know why? Because something dynamic happens when we all come together. The presence of God is here. His truth is here. His word is here. Encouragement is here. His spirit is here. 
And what we desperately need is we desperately need the truth, and we desperately need to encounter his mercy and his grace every single time. I don't know about you, but if you've ever had those moments, I really feel like sleeping in today, or I got extra work I got to do today. Well, I got yard work. Well, I got to shovel the driveway. We'll do church another time, or I'll just watch online. And then how many of you know when you're like, you know what, no, I'm going to go. And then when you get there, you're like, I'm really glad I came. Like, I'm really glad I came today. You want to know why? Because the Holy Spirit shows up when we're gathered here and honoring his name. His presence is here. He's there to encourage you, to build you up, to strengthen you, to impart his truth into your life. Wisdom where you need wisdom. Why I say that I think my mom, the greatest decision my mom ever did was bring her four kids to church, was because my mom wanted to gather her family and her children around the story of God. And the very first day my mom brought me to church, I looked at her and I said, Mom, I'm not going into church. I'm staying right in here. Well, why, why won't you listen to me? Why won't you come out? Because, Mom, all my friends are back at the church plant that's not meeting anymore. I don't feel like meeting a bunch of new people. My mom said, if you don't get out of the van, I'm going to go get a man in the church. He's going to come out and take you out of the van. <laughs> me being stubborn as I was, I said, I don't care. Go ahead. My mom leaves with the three sisters. And sure enough, she comes out with a man. I see the man walking out. I quick duck under the van seats thinking she's not going to see me. She's going to think I went into church. Moms know. Moms don't. Moms know. Sure enough, van door opens up, and I see this black-haired guy just meet eyes with me. He goes, son, you need to obey your mom and get into church. Little did I know that that day I'd end up meeting my best friend, and God knew I couldn't do life alone. He knew I needed the other people in the church. He knew I needed the Roger and Ann Lanes in my life who would minister to a young boy. He knew that I needed the family of God. And my mom, although felt like giving up, decided to sow seeds of faith that knew would not return void. You and I have choices every single day on how we're going to sow seeds. And by the way, you have a church willing to say, we want to teach you how to pray. Would you come Thursday night to learn how to pray? Would you show up Thursday night? Because we want to be people of prayer. You want to know how you sow into the spirit? You learn how to pray. You learn how to get the word of God inside of your heart. You learn how to serve and love people. That is how you sow seeds of faith. And by the way, this next verse, what I'm about to get into, talks about a harvest. And you might not see the harvest in your lifetime, but there will be a harvest in eternity. Doing good to all. How do we stay the course? Ask God to keep us from deception. Protect us from the evil one. Number two, plant the right things into your life. And number three is keep the faith and don't give up. Keep the faith and don't give up. This is a word for somebody today, for somebody who came in. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever to sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. By the way, that eternal life there, it wasn't talking necessarily about when they die and they spend eternity in heaven. The eternal life they're talking about there is right here, right now on earth. Like you and I get to experience God's presence in the right now and right here on earth. It goes on to say, verse 9, let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Number three, keep the faith and don't give up. You know what a majority of our Christian walk is? It's not giving up and keeping the faith. 
It's choosing to stay near to Christ when all hell breaks out and everything wants you to let go. It's choosing to stay near to Christ. Holding on to him because he's holding on to you. Know what I get a picture of Christ? Galatians 5 says, walk and step with the Spirit. God did not leave us to abandon us as orphans, but God literally walks hand in hand with us. In fact, Matthew 11 says, take my yoke upon you. What that yoke was back in the day in Jewish culture and 2,000 years ago, it was a yoke for oxen. There was two places, a place for two oxen to be yoked up together. Jesus says, put my yoke upon you. In other words, Jesus says, I'm standing right here on one side of the yoke. I want you standing right here on the other side of the yoke because we're going to walk hand in hand together. And you want to know what real peace is? Real peace is not an absence of your circumstance and problems. Real peace is yoking up with Christ and walking hand in hand with him. Scripture says, do not grow weary in doing what's right. Don't give up, for we will reap a harvest. Know what I love about that verse? It's not speaking just to the individual. It's speaking to the church. If we won't grow weary, if we won't give up, we, all of us collectively, will reap a harvest. The harvest was not meant just for the individual. The harvest was meant for the family of God, for all of us to experience. When one of you receives breakthrough or victory, we all experience that together. The harvest is more than just you. It outlasts you. It's bigger than you. It's eternal, and it's all about him and his harvest. If we will not grow weary, if we do not give up, I was at a Christmas party. My dad had 11 brothers and sisters growing up, and we would do a giant Christmas party. We'd rent out a venue in St. Paul. About 150 family members would show up at this gathering. And I was there. I was about 20 years old. A discrepancy went down between my father and I. I decided not to ride with him to the party because I couldn't. My sisters did. Well, my dad held on to that. He was upset at that. And at the Christmas party, my dad gets in there. He stares me down. He walks right over to me. 150 people in the room talking. My dad starts yelling at me. He starts cursing at me. Everybody in the room stops what they're doing and looks exactly at me. My dad's saying, you should have rolled with me. What's your problem? You think you're too good? Are you too good for me, son? He starts belittling me, ripping into me. I didn't know what to do, so I run away. I run out the door of the place. I walk down the steps. My uncle's outside smoking a cigarette. And then my uncle says, Micah, what's the matter? And all of a sudden, my dad storms out the door. My uncle puts me behind him, and now my uncle and my dad are going toe-to-toe, staring at each other, yelling at each other. I still don't know what to do. I'm in a full-on suit. I decide to run. In the middle of winter, sloshy slip down Randolph. I'm pretty sure it's Randolph Avenue. I'm running down in a full suit, just trying to get away and run. Because I feel humiliated. I feel belittled. I've already known what it's like to grow up in a broken home. And the closest thing that I found open was a Burger King. I walk into Burger King. The bottom half of my pants are sloppy wet. And I sit in a booth and I'm just crying. I call my friend. Will you come pick me up? I don't have a vehicle. Would you come get me? He came, was coming to pick me up. He said, I'll be right there. So I'm sitting in this booth, and a homeless man sits in the booth across from me. He just sits down. He doesn't ask me to sit with me. He just sits down across from me. He says, son, tell me what's the matter. And I said, I just start unloading everything that happened at the party, everything that's going in my mind. And he looks at me, and he says, son, don't you dare give up. Don't grow weary in doing the right thing. 
Keep the faith, son. I'm proud of you. You're a great man. Every area that I felt belittled in, every area that I felt humiliated, it's like this homeless man was staring at a guy dressed in a full-on suit and just building me up with his words. My friend calls me to tell me he's here. I pick up the phone call, say, give me a second. And I hang up the phone, and I turn to thank him, give him some money, buy him a meal, whatever. And as I turn to thank him, I can't find him anywhere. I can't find him anywhere. I run out of the restaurant. I look down both sides of the street. I was on the phone for maybe 60 seconds. Like, a dude with some bags doesn't get very far. Like, and to that day, I am convinced with all of my heart that who that was was an angel. Telling me exactly what's here in Galatians 6, son, he was speaking literally biblical things to me. And when I went to go thank him, I searched everywhere. I, we even drove around in our car to try to find him. I could not find him. Today, maybe just today, I came today for somebody to hear that word right there. Don't grow weary. Don't give up and keep the faith. Because the harvest you reap, you might not see it right now. It might be really hard to see. But Christ is enough in the middle of your storm, in the middle of your circumstance, to see you through. Keep sowing the right seeds of faith and watch what God will do. You may have a kid or a grandchild that's walked away. You might have somebody who's living in a life that doesn't make sense. Keep your eyes on Jesus. It goes on to say, the last verse in verse 10, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. How do you stay the course? How do you get through this life, although it's just a short period of time, although it's really not a long time here on earth? How do you do it? Ask God, keep me from the evil one. Keep me from deception. God, let me plant the right things in my life. And God, help me to keep the faith and not give up. And then the last thing is this, is don't you dare do it alone. But everybody that came in this house today, we have one another. You are not alone. We were meant to do this race alone. We were meant to do it together. How do you get through? But you recount and recite the faithfulness of God. And you recount the people who spoke into your life, who encouraged you, who breathed into you. So you want to know what we need? All of us need a best friend. All of us need someone who can encourage us, can strengthen us, can pray for us. We need an accountability partner. Someone that we can be really completely vulnerable and honest with. We need a coach. We need a mentor. Someone in our life who can help us. And then we need to be handing, reaching up to somebody else and reaching down to somebody else to help them pull along too. We need each other is what I'm trying to say. It takes a village. And God help us and forgive us to think that we don't. Because we live in an individualistic society. But really what would be really good for us is for us to come together and stay united. And you want to know what God blesses? He blesses unity. By the way... This church that exists in Homestead Community Church will be a beacon of light and a hope within this community, Farmington, for years and generations to come. This will be a church that not only reaches Farmington, but this will be a church who provides a home for those who don't have a home. This will be a church that takes anybody in to welcome them, to love them, just as Christ would, to allow people to hear the word of God, the truth of God's word. This will be a church that impacts generations and families to come. Keep the faith. And by the way, the best investment you can ever give is one that's an internal investment, sowing seeds of faith, helping build a building that needs to be built, giving to a financial building campaign so others may hear too, staying in community with one another, learning how to pray, keeping the faith. You want to know what it means to be really successful and stay the course? 
five key tips to stay really successful and stay the course. Number one, keep your eyes on Jesus. Number two, keep your eyes on Jesus. Number three, keep your eyes on Jesus. Number four, keep your eyes on Jesus. Number five, keep your eyes on Jesus. Because if you're like me and you've blown it and you've gotten off course and you know what it means to get off course, you know the only way to stay on the course and to keep going on the course is through what Jesus did for you and I on the cross. Knowing that we couldn't do it in our own human efforts, knowing we'd never be able to save ourselves, but Jesus and him alone through his grace and the blood spit on the cross washes us and calls us new, calls us redeemed and healed to stay on the course to walk in step with him every single day. That's the hope we have, and his name is Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus. My wife's going to sing a song about keeping our eyes on Jesus and his presence being so sweet. And as she sings, how we're going to close today is I just ask us to maybe bow our heads, close our eyes, whatever you want to do. But just to say, Holy Spirit, would you keep me from that which is not pleasing to you? Would you keep me away from deception. Help me not to bind the lie. Reveal the lies I've been believing. And then God, may you help me plant the right things into my life so that in due time, we will see a harvest. And then God, to keep the faith and to not give up, knowing full well that there's a better that's to come, whether that's here on earth or it's in heaven one day with you. Holy Spirit, we just give you permission to speak and to Move inside of hearts to encourage where they need encouragement. For your grace to meet where there's been sin. For your love to buy back what's been broken. And for your mercy, God, to permeate our minds and hearts. In Jesus' name.